Hello, Dan Alasso with History for Today. I've been a little bit busy in the last couple of weeks since the end of the semester, getting my garden squared away for the summer, uh, preparing for some school-related projects, and generally trying to get myself organized into a summer rhythm. On the other hand, I've probably also been dragging my feet a bit on this section of the new handbook. And partly I think that this may be because of the kind of daunting sound of the term permanent notes. It just sort of rings in my ears. And I think it may have this unconscious connotation for me that they have to be great and they have to be insightful and important, right? If I'm going to call them permanent. In reality, Permanent notes are just another step on the path of taking other people's ideas and making them my own. And in this particular step, I think that the point is to create blocks of information that can become bricks in a wall of argument. So to review briefly in this process, I've already highlighted a text or taken notes on lectures or made some other similar first pass at a source calling attention to and sometimes even leaving brief comments on things that the author said which I thought were interesting or noteworthy. Then I've gone back over these highlights or fleeting notes that I've written down and I have evaluated them and decided which thoughts I want to keep. I've paraphrased the idea and occasionally copied verbatim when the author said it in a particularly catchy or compelling way that I think I might want to quote someday. At the end of that stage, I had a list, sometimes a long list, of things that I had reacted to while I was reading a particular text. With a little bit of organization and editing, this list can easily become a book review. I might post it on a blog with even a little bit less effort to turn it into an essay with a thesis that I'll defend and support with content from the text. Typically, I've done this throughout my career as a grad student and then as a teacher. But these outputs from the reading notes, however polished they might be, aren't really exactly what I'm looking for in a permanent note. Because if the point of this whole process is to turn ideas that just pop up in my life into output, whether written or spoken, then there needs to be a moment of abstraction when I formulate my thoughts into individual ideas that I can mix and match and rearrange as needed. And I think the permanent note is that thing, that moment. So as a single idea, it should be relatively short. This is an instance, perhaps, where Rome Research's block structure may be more naturally suited than Obsidian's page format. But I can use a little bit of discipline and accomplish the same thing. The most ideal format, probably, is the 3x5 index card. But I've already decided to take advantage of all the benefits of an electronic system. So my choice to use Obsidian also stands for the same sort of reason. Now, in the next video, I will demonstrate this process, probably from the reading notes that I've shown before on Nassim Nicholas Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile. These reading notes are already over 3,600 words long, and I've only processed about the first half of the book. So I'll devote some time later this week to getting through the rest. 
And although I'm also in a variety of different stages of listening to and reading and highlighting and processing other books, I think that Anti-Fragile will be a good example of a kind of challenging text. One of the big challenges with this book is the number of tangents that the author goes on. In an effort to hold on to the traditional form and feel of an essay, Taleb ties a lot of ideas into his argument. Some of these are big ideas from classical philosophy. Others are his own personal observations about weight training or his discoveries from his hobby reading of articles in medical journals. And whether or not I think that these are the best examples or analogies to make the points that he wants to make, many of them interest me in their own right. And I like the way that many of Taleb's examples overlap with some of the stuff that I've already read about and studied a bit in the past, such as Mandelbrot's fractal theory and Ilya Prigozhin's dissipative structures in thermodynamics. That's going to be a big part of the fun of making these permanent notes, slotting the ideas into relationships with other ideas that I've already worked with. And this is probably the biggest and most important element for me of permanent notes that I've really been spending my time in the last week or so wrapping my head around and deciding how I want to organize. In a sense, this might be the point where the magic begins to happen. And this digital slip box that I'm making in Obsidian may begin to show me connections that I had not anticipated. This is the point of the second brain idea, too, I think. In the past, I would have to grab the Prigozhin book or my notes on it and then open them adjacent to Taleb and sort of painstakingly compare them. This is still a valuable way, of course, to do a very detailed comparison. But it's relatively binary. At best, I could probably compare a small handful of texts that way and hold those ideas in my head. The beauty of bi-directional links is that I can see all of the places where something like dissipative structures have come up in my reading and where I've made note of it. As I've been thinking about permanent notes in the last week or so, I've also been working on how I want to teach retrieval practice to faculty later in the summer. It struck me early on as I was reading up on the topic that its proponents sort of denigrate highlighting and even note-taking. Their argument is typically that studies show that highlighting and rereading texts lead to a much poorer recall on tests relative to a retrieval practice such as closed book brain dumps or coming up with two things or any of these other little techniques that they use. The slight strain they say that it's associated with remembering the information strengthens longer-term memory of the ideas, where reading only sort of shoves it back into short-term memory for a while. And they have the receipts. They have both clinical studies and classroom experience to back this up. And while I don't necessarily disagree with this line of argument, I do have to say I found it a bit reductive and a bit snarky. I don't actually think that the choice at hand is the one that the retrieval advocates describe. People who highlight will hopefully continue to engage with the text in the types of ways that I've been describing, rather than just expecting that the fact that they highlighted it wants to guarantee their understanding and their permanent memory of the text. 
Also, often the point is not so much to be able to recite information from memory, but to be able to use it effectively in complex ways. So I'm not sure that the goal is really to improve the first brain recall of information in more than a very general kind of way. Maybe that's a bias of mine because I've never been very good at memorizing scripts. I prefer to work from notes. So maybe that just has to do with my learning style. But in any case, one of the arguments of the retrieval practice advocates is that recall is what they call a desirable difficulty. I'd agree with that, but I would argue so is the thought that's required to summarize and to paraphrase and then to abstract ideas that you get from texts. Returning to my notes a number of times to refine and develop these ideas, I would argue, is similarly beneficial to quizzing myself on them. And it leads more directly to the type of output that I want to create. I may have more to say about this in the future, but either way, in the next video that I make, I'll try to demonstrate the actual process using these anti-fragile notes. Then in the near future, I hope I'll be able to show how connections are beginning to form between the various things that I've been reading and working on. Since the end of the semester, I've been trying to absorb content from a variety of sources. Taleb, Daniel Kahneman, Noam Chomsky, and also the history and the historiography that I'm planning to cover in the fall. As I get more of that stuff into this obsidian vault, I hope I'll be able to show how the connections are beginning to form. And I'm very excited about them forming. But that's all I have for you today. So I hope people found this a little bit interesting. Thanks very much for watching, and I'll see you again.